You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Matthew 27, you find your place there. We're in, we're down to verse 54 is where we've made our way to. Before I read, let me just tell you a little story. <clears throat> so, like 25 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, at my old, old it's been 25, 30 years ago, at my old house on 14th Street, uh, Bill Sherman had been helping um, me remodel our basement. Okay, Bill Sherman was remodeling our basement. I wasn't doing any. I, I handed him stuff and things like that. But um, So we were outside. After, uh, it was real dusky outside, and we were trying to, you know, break the night up and get ready to go, and he was going to leave. Uh, we were just talking in the front yard, and I could see a cat, a huge cat, out of the corner of my eye walking behind us. We didn't have a cat. And I turned around, and it wasn't a cat. It was a huge possum. And it was a big old guy, and uh, he had no fear of me whatsoever, uh, me or Bill, and uh, so I'm like, I don't like that. I don't want that guy in my neighborhood. I know what I'm going to do. I'm running my garage. I'm going to grab a shovel and uh, do what every red-blooded American would do for, to a possum. You crack that thing in the head. And I, he got down into, I just saw a lady give me this look like. <laughs> now, ladies, if, they, if that thing was r- rabid, had rabies, and would bite your children, you'd be happy that I'd do what I'm about to tell you. So by the time I got my shovel and came back out, he had gotten out of the yard and was in the street. I snuck up behind him, and I, I did one of these, you know, I'm going to crack this thing and kill that thing. And when I hit that thing in the head, no, no lie, jumped about three feet in the air, hit the ground, landed on his side, and stuck his tongue out. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, don't you ever come back in my yard ever again. And I went to the garage, I was going to get a five-gallon bucket and put him in that, put a lid on it, sit it out for the trash man, and uh, got the bucket, turned around and walked back down there. Guess what he had been doing? He was playing possum. Yep. Um, So uh, he was up. Now he was looking around like, what in the world just fell out of the sky on top of my, and that's the kind of look he had. But uh, so I'm like, oh, so you didn't die. So I ran back in the garage, and I got a two-before. I'm like, you're going to die. You are not living in my neighborhood. Well, by now, my wife and daughters, little girls, um, had stepped out on the front porch. They heard the commotion. You'd had to have been there. It was pretty bad. And I went down there, and I'm like, you're going to die. And I started cracking that thing. I hit him in the head, and he bounced again. He'd look at me like, what did I do? I'd crack him in the head again and started looking ugly. I mean, it was bleeding, and he's sprawling out, and, he'd, and I'd get done, and he'd move again. I'd crack him again, and about that time, my wife says, Philip, stop killing that whatever that is down there in the street. I'm like, you be quiet. I am trying to take care of our family, and just don't watch me. They're just up on the porch. I'm not kidding. My wife is in tears. And my girls are like, I didn't know my daddy was like this. It was one of those looks. 
But I knew that animal was going to get one of us, and I'm going to protect my family. I got him. It took about two hours. <laughs> no, it took a lot of whacking, but I, I killed that possum. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't play dead after that. He was really dead and all done. But my, I'm not kidding. I was not my wife's favorite person. She was, uh, she was upset at me that night. She did not know I was a murderer. And, um, and my girls just kind of looked at me just, just like, I want another daddy. I mean, it's just one of those looks all night long. It's amazing when you stare at something long enough and watch something long enough, it's amazing the effect it has on you. I was determined I'm getting rid of this guy. He is out of here. Sam, is this Sarah? Woohoo, Sarah, good to have you. We've been praying for you, Sarah. And it's good to have you in the service today. That's Sam's wife, if you guys didn't know that. So we've been praying for her for like two months to be able to come to church. That's a blessing. Yep. Amen. Good. You just missed a wonderful story, but uh, I'm not going to tell it again. So when you stare at something that long and you watch an event like that that long, it has, it has an impact on you. Go at, I'm glad my wife is not here today, uh, but if you, when she comes next Sunday, I'm really not happy she's not here. But um, you can ask her, what was, what was that like? And she'll tell you, I was a murderer. I didn't like him. He was a meanie. And uh, it was really sad. And then I would tell you, it could have had rabies. You could have gone to the hospital over there, something like that. And I would tell my story. But when you watch something die like that, it just, I did kind of feel squeamish, I'll be honest with you, after it was all over. I mean, I wanted to be the shovel murderer, not the two before murderer. I wanted it to be done in one whack, done with, in a bucket and over. Man, the time all that was done and everything, I was just like, ah, oh, that's, that's not good. It was not a good thing. It had an effect on me, and it had an effect on my wife and my girls. They still hardly gave me a Father's Day gift, but they uh, <laughs> had quite the impact. When you read what we're going to read today, um, you're going to find out that somebody else's death had an unbelievable impact on some people in our story. And uh, you're going to find where... Christ has died and there are three different groups of people that were standing around watching the whole thing happen and uh, honestly the death of Christ was more gruesome than anything I've uh, in the comical kind of a way tried to describe to you about an animal but you look at what happened to Christ so much worse than what you have probably seen in the death of somebody else and it really impacted the life of the people around them and when you look at um, what happened, it's just really amazing. Listen to me. When you keep your eye on Jesus, whether it's in his death or in his life, when you keep your eye and watch Jesus, it's amazing the impact it will have on your life. Today it was his death. And we'll show you how it had such an impact on, on these people's lives. So we're in Matthew 27, verse 54. And then we'll go down, oh, just a couple of verses here, three verses down to verse 54, 55, and 56, all right? So in verse 54, it says, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. 
And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. It's just those verses, and we're going to also, in uh, one of the other points, we're going to go over into the book of Luke and look at one verse there to show you another group that Luke describes, but Matthew does not. And yet I want to show you their impact, the impact Christ's death had on them as well. So let's, uh, let me have prayer, and then we're going to get right into this message. God, thank you, Lord, for letting us uh, be able to stand around the foot of the cross again, Lord, and be mindful of what you went through for us and how agonizing, how horrible a death you really did experience for us. And I'm just asking, God, may the Holy Spirit please minister to our hearts. I'm asking, Father, that you might work in our hearts and may we have uh, an impact on our hearts today. And if you would change us, Lord, by what we'll see and hear today, I'd be so thankful. We need you today. I don't want to walk out of here the same man that I was when I walked in. I want to be different. I want to be more dedicated. I want my walk to be greater with the Lord than I've ever had. May that be true of all of us here today. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, I want to show you the, probably the ones that, to me, had the greatest impact to me as I was reading the story, is the, those that viewed the death of Christ was the frightened soldiers. And that's the wording that the Bible uses. It frightened them. They were very much afraid. If you look in verse 54, it says, Now, when the centurion and they that were with him, the other soldiers watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done. God told us that on purpose now, guys. They were watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and whatever those things that were done were. The Bible says they feared greatly, saying, and here's the impact it had on them, truly, this was the Son of God. Different than what they had seen and experienced prior to that uh, was just like, yeah, he's just like any other guy. Let's kill this guy. We'll wipe him out. And if, if you'll forgive me for using this, but it was no different to them earlier on in the story than it was for me with the, with the animal walking in my yard. I just wanted to be done with it. I wanted, I honestly throw it in a bucket, get it out of my, uh, my yard. I don't want it around my family. And to start with, that was the way these soldiers were feeling about Jesus. You know, let's, let's, let's kill the guy. We know how this is done. We're very skilled at it. We've done it Uh, dozens, maybe hundreds of guys we've done this with. Let's get this over with and out of the way and we can get on home and have supper and uh, be done with another day of work. I'm sure that's what they were initially thinking about Jesus. But something has happened between the first time they were encountering Jesus to the event here in verse 54. Their lives have changed inside out. And God, I love the way God does this. He just drops little tidbits in for me and you to be able to see parts of a story that are helpful for us to see and understand and to have that impact in our lives like uh, it did on these soldiers. So, number one, the frightened soldiers. And who were these guys, by the way, these soldiers? 
It's very possible, and most commentators believe, that it's even likely that, that these were some of the same soldiers that we've seen in action, if you've been with us on Sunday mornings, walking our way through chapter 27. Uh, they've been in action with Jesus over the recent events during Christ's trial, and now here at his crucifixion. They've walked probably, these were probably some of the same guys that got involved early on when Pilate was there and Pilate had them scourged and, and so forth. I've got an idea. These guys have watched all the events with Christ all the way down here to his death. Probably these guys are pagan. They're not Christian, obviously. Or if they had religion at all, it was probably um, like the Romans who had multiple gods and they had no one God that they would look to and, and, and throw their allegiance toward and be able to feel like this God is changing my life at all. So they're pagans. These were probably the ones who enjoyed, a, you, know, a, you know what a good belly laugh is? Uh, they enjoyed a good belly laugh when they mocked him as a make-believe king and then put that make-believe scepter in his hand and a crown of thorns on his head. And they did all of that, and they were probably, some of these same guys in verse 54 were probably there when all of that took place. And when they put the scepter in his hand and, then, uh, and that robe around him and the, and the crown of thorns, and then after they mocked and made fun of him, poking each other and looking at him and watching for the expression on his face of disgust and anguish, they didn't see that about Jesus. You understand, they were not taking the life of Jesus, and I want you to remember that. They did not take his life. He was giving his life. And you look different when somebody's robbing you than you do when you're giving something. And these men begin to notice that. This guy has a different expression from any of the other hundreds of guys we've seen killed on the battlefield or a guy that ha has gone to a, um, a cross like we are trying to lead him toward. I'm sure they noticed that, but it was not all that big of a deal, uh, you know, until we get down to the end of the story. But they noticed something's different about this guy, this he just maintains a humble spirit. He didn't get so angry with us that he spit in our face when we mocked at him and so forth or anything. There's something about the humility of this guy we've not seen before. Then they tuck that thought deep down inside and they'd go on and get to the next stage of Calvary and work the way on around. You know what was possible also? These same guys had heard uh, their boss, who was Pilate, you know, they heard him probably say several times, I find no fault in him. You say, yeah, so what's the big deal with that? Well, we're talking about Pilate. You get your own books and open them up and study about this Pilate. And understand, this guy was a, uh, he, he was a mess. And anything he could do to find fault in anybody, he found great joy in doing so. And in somebody who was as notorious as Jesus and somebody that could give him a little more notoriety, uh, he would have done anything to just even make something up about this guy uh, to be able to tell everybody, yeah, this guy's just a, 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 a wretch like anybody else. Take him on out and crucify him. But they never heard that from this boss. And it was amazing to them to hear him say a couple, three different times, I find no fault in this man. I've got an idea. One soldier looked at another like, you hear what he's saying? We have never heard those words come out of his mouth. I find no fault in him. But of course, you're sitting there with Jesus and you've got Jesus on trial. What are you going to find wrong with Jesus? There's nothing to be found. 
He was the perfect Lamb of God going to Calvary for sinners like you and me. And Pilate, the sinner, looking at the sinless one, could find not one thing wrong with him. And I'm sure it was another one of those little pricks in the heart of these soldiers like, really? Our boss just said, I can't find fault in somebody because he knows something wrong about everybody. Pilate was that kind of a boss, if I can use that. It probably struck them as, as, uh, as odd. They, and then you remember when his wife comes running up to Pilate, some of those soldiers standing by to protect uh, Pilate, no doubt heard his wife come running up and, and bend down to his ear and say, honey, have nothing to do with this righteous man. I've suffered many things in a dream because of, of him this day. Don't have anything to do with that guy. They saw her face. They saw an expression and a look on her face and a spirit about her that they'd never seen in that woman ever before. They also saw what it did to Pilate. They saw a look of determination on his face like they'd never seen before. And if you'll remember, Pilate tried everything he could to be able to release Jesus from that point on. I mean, it actually got to him. And these soldiers are probably standing back. And one after another, all these little events that are taking place They begin to watch all these things, and it begins to have an impact in their life. I'm sure they may have even been there to help, maybe, when the man called the lictor would take his whip out and begin to beat the back of Jesus and to watch him scream and cry like any other man, but an expression on his face like nobody else ever had. I'm sure they saw that. Maybe the one that we're talking about right here in verse 54 was the guy that took Jesus, you know, the other two thieves on on the cross, and three and four guys trying to hold one arm down while they pound the nail in this hand, and then he holds the other arm to his chest. I can't stand to have that nail driven in my hand, and they'd peel his arm away, and then his feet, and the screaming and crying, no, don't do this to me. And they get to Jesus, and all three of them come into one arm, and they look at Jesus, and his arms aren't folded, and his chest clenched tightly. He laid his arm down. Well, that was unusual. Well, I'm sure he'll pull it away when we start to drive the spike in. And then he drove the spike in. Saw the pain, the anguish on his face. And they came to the other arm and he laid it down. Please remember, they were not taking his life. He was giving it. You have to remember that. You look really different when you're being taken from than when you're giving. Crossed his own legs probably. Drove that spike through his feet. And those soldiers stood back, and I have no doubt, talk is beginning to work around them. You ever seen a guy like this one? This guy is really different. There's something about this guy. I haven't got it figured out yet, but this guy is really different. Look at his face. Yeah, it's it's bloody like everybody else. No, look at his expression. Can you sense there's a spirit about him that I've never felt about any other man? I, I believe this with all my heart, that all these things were beginning to add up in their heart. There's no doubt. They've, they've noticed a remarkable difference in Jesus than any other of the criminals that they'd ever crucified before. There was just something about his spirit that was so extremely different than anything they'd ever witnessed before. And it's beginning to have that effect on their lives. And then, guys, you remember as we read it last week, the sky darkened for three hours. Now, <clears throat> you, you had to be there. This wasn't on the calendars. This wasn't something that was supposed to be happening. Everybody's just waiting for an eclipse to happen. But just out of the blue, 12 o'clock high, the sky goes black. 
and it lasts for three hours. I mean, you talk about eerie. These soldiers have already known there's something really different about this guy. There's a spirit about him I've never felt with anybody else, and it's not a spirit that is kind of scary to me. As a matter of fact, it's somewhat attractive to me. There's something about him that that makes me want to be drawn to him. And all of a sudden, the lights go out, and everybody gets really quiet. I really believe that, too. I believe it was quiet for three hours. And I believe the Roman soldiers stood there shoulder to shoulder. They'd look at each other, and they'd try to catch a glimpse of the body on the cross in the darkness. And that whole time, in that darkness, all the thoughts of their hearts and minds running through their, their own thoughts and in their hearts... It's amazing what goes through the hearts of men in the dark. You can act one way during the daytime and rough and tough. When you go to bed at night and it's just you and whoever else is in that room, you turn that light out. It's you and God. And those thoughts that I have no doubt in the dark hours, three hours, guys, they sat there or they stood there and and kept guard. Their, Their duty was to watch Jesus, you know, make sure nobody takes him away or steals him away. And it and it begins to work in their hearts. But when the eerie darkness is broken, you know what it was that broke the darkness? This loud cry from Jesus burst through the sky. I really believe that is one of the things that frightened them as much as anything. Well, why would somebody screaming scare them? Because what you need to understand is when men who have hung that long on a cross like that and barely have enough air to keep them alive, they never cry out. If they can get a whimper out of them, uh, just to draw in another breath to talk a little bit is something else. But to hear that loud cry, my, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And they stand there after the darkness and that's already passed and and that was eerie and then to hear one of those guys scream as loud as as he just screamed I mean it's all working on these guys it was gut-wrenching after the end of that darkness and then Jesus gives up the ghost did you hear that Jesus gave up the ghost he yielded his life for us. And as we said last Sunday, they did not take his life. Jesus was not murdered. Jesus gave his life for us. But what happened? Well, the earth began to shake. Remember that? The earth began to quake. And the large rocks, the Bible says, were rent or were torn right in half. Huge stones. I mean, it would take Many men, many days to take one of these huge stones that probably were torn in half to be able to take their type of chisels and hammers and to work on it enough to finally be able to split this huge rock open. And in one moment, while the earth was quaking, these huge rocks were busting open in front of these guys. And these guys, their their whole bodies are shaking. They've remembered all that's just taken place. And just like... um, A hard stone is split right in half. God had been working all along, chiseling away at the heart of these hardened soldiers. And God split the hardness of their heart wide open. And it exposed their sin to themselves before a holy God hanging on Calvary. And I believe these men honestly began to see themselves the way Jesus had been seeing them all along. I believe they fell under conviction of their own heart, of their own sin. And finally, Jesus bowed his head and died. And that soldier looked up and he couldn't help but say this. He didn't want anybody else to hear him say something like this. 
hours ago, but he didn't care who heard his voice this time. He cried out, truly, this was the Son of God. And that man, having stood back and watched while Jesus was on the mock trial, while he was scourged, and while his attitude was different from everybody else, and watched the nails being pounded in his hands and feet, and then to die on Calvary, and watch all of these events unravel before him, God had a tremendous impact in his life by the death of Jesus Christ on Calvary. He came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. You say, prove it. Well, in a hundred years, I think we're all going to know that. (laughs) I I really do. I think we're all going to be in heaven, and I, I have no doubt in my heart. I just sense that they recognize this is the Son of God, and they weren't just throwing words around. I think it struck him so strongly that he opened, like I said, that stone Uh, that was in a man's heart. Those old Roman soldiers were tough. And they'd seen a lot of things in life, and they'd grown hard like the rocks that were being split open. And yet God can split the heart of any hardened sinner anywhere, anytime. And I hope it can be an encouragement to you. If you've got somebody that you know of that is stone cold hard to to the Lord, uh, you've given them the gospel and they don't want anything to do with it, and and, uh, you, you know, you've tried to share little tracks with them. <clears throat> You'll invite them to church, and you've done things to <clears throat> try to maybe get them to stop and believe in the Lord. And you say, but preacher, it's doing no good. I, I have one guy, I tell him, I said, I led him to the Lord. And I said, you need to, your wife needs to get saved too. She needs to know the Lord. And he said, oh, pastor. <clears throat> he said, if she gets saved, he said, it's just, just unbelievable what, it, that, what it's going to take to see her get saved. I said, the same Jesus that saved you can save her. And that's true. But she's got a a cold, stony heart. God knows how to break the stony hearts. I don't know what relative you might have, and you may be sitting here today, friend, and you've heard story after story, week after week, about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. I hope and pray you'll let those, that chisel that's been pounding on your hardened heart week after week. Friends have been trying to tell you about the Lord. You've caught little messages here and there about God. And you knew there's something different about that man than just anybody else. Well, friend, would you let God split that hard heart wide open today? And let, let God reveal himself to you that he truly is the son of God who came to save your soul today. I hope and pray you'll let God have an impact in your life today. For the Christian, you say, well, preacher, we're already saved. I get that. But week after week, what we have read here this morning and the things that we've read about Jesus and the power of God in breaking, you know, a a sack lunch and feeding, you know, how many, 15,000, 20,000 people and calming the raging sea that he was on and the 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 man who had thousands of demons inside of him he cast them out and the man that was dead he raised him from the dead guys he really did those things and that same Jesus is in here today with you and me and I don't know what is at work in your life or what your need is in your life but that Jesus needs to be able to have an impact in your life You need not yawn your way through messages or when you have your devotions and you're reading about the Word of God and what God has done for us. It ought to have an impact in your life. If you've gotten to the place where you can read the story of the cross and you can just fold it back up, drop it on the coffee table and head off to work with a yawn, you've gotten cold. 
And if it doesn't have an impact in your heart to the place that, God, I want to have an impact in people's lives when I go out today. God, I see what kind of power you have, and and I see the things that are available for Christians today. I've got people I work with today, God, and you're getting in the car and you're driving. God, thank you for showing me what you showed me in the Bible today. God, you've had an impact in my heart today. I want to try to work with the people around me. Use me today. If you've lost sight of that, you're the most bored Christian sitting in church right now, just waiting for whenever the pastor is done with his cricket jokes, and uh, we can be out of here and on our way, get our lunch, and, and the day can be over with, as far as I'm concerned. God help us when the story of the cross no longer has an impact, where it changes your life, softens you up, makes you tender toward the things of God, and sends you out of here with a burning in your heart to serve God. May the message of the cross have an impact in our hearts once again. Did you notice there was somebody else around the cross as well? Verses 55 and 56. Look in verse 55 with me. Please would you follow along. And many women were there beholding afar off. And then God uh, tells us here in just a moment who they were. They followed Jesus from Galilee ministering unto him. And then he names these women uh, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and uh, the mother of Zebedee's children. <clears throat> who, were the, who were Zebedee's children? Sons of thunder, who were they? Who? James and John? Sons of thunder, sons of Boanerges, I think is another way they call that. And God gave us the names of those women. Now, you say, okay, there's something to that, right? They were, they were afar off <clears throat> uh, while they were observing Jesus. So that's that's what it's about, right, preacher? That's the, that's the impact that it had on them. Here's the cross and Jesus in anguish. And they go running way far away off in the distance to observe Jesus. Well, I want you to notice that I think about the only other disciple men that you find around the cross was John. Possibly. And, uh, and other than that, I don't find any other disciples, any other men of his disciples around the cross at all. They've scattered and they've ran away. They don't want to be a part of the persecution. They see what they're doing to the greatest guy that ever walked the face of the earth. What will they do to us? And they scatter and run and hide. And yet these women who followed, and you read the words, ministered to Jesus and his disciples in their three and a half years ministry on earth. They backed off a little bit to get away from the crowd and sat down with a broken heart to watch and to observe Jesus. Now now listen to this. They watched him as his body was bloodied. They watched him, no doubt, as his face was pummeled by the Roman fists. And they watched him as they drove the nails in. And they, no doubt, sat back there with a broken heart, weeping and crying at what they were doing to their, uh, their Savior, this man that had shown them so much love. And I'm sure they watched him as the cross stood up and his body Every joint in his body, the Bible says, I believe all the main joints in his body came out of joint and the anguish on his face. I'm sure they sat back and watched everything happen to Jesus. Listen to this. And they still stayed there and followed Jesus. Churches, if you understand this or not, local New Testament churches are now the body of Christ. What you see a lot of times when The body of Christ is being persecuted, the church. When it's being maybe beaten, and in other countries around the world, these things really do happen. 
or when some kind of persecution happens inside the body of Christ and Hey, when things get really tough to the body of Christ, I mean, these women watch the real body of Christ on Calvary, and here we are as the body of Christ. You know what I see happen with a lot of people when things get tough at a body of Christ? They don't just go back and stand off at a distance with a broken heart, maybe even forming a prayer group and saying, God, change those things in the body of Christ. Lord, heal us up from the things that are happening negative at our church. Lots of times they just disappear. They take off and leave and they go away somewhere. Don't want to have anything to do with maybe when times get a little tough sometimes at the body of Christ. I just want to say thank God there were people, there were women that were such servants of Christ that they stayed no matter what. They didn't just take off and and leave and then just scatter and were totally gone. I believe these women knew Christ as Savior. I believe their hearts were tender toward Him. And any opportunity they had to be able to minister to God, they were there and ready to serve the Lord. Just a little challenge to you and me this morning. When your life gets tough at church, and I'm just going to tell you, if you get involved in a service, a place where you can serve the Lord, or you just decide, I want to get a a little more involved, all I do at church is coming and sitting, and uh, listen to the messages, and I get up and walk out. That's all we ever do. And I, I want to get a little more involved. I want to start meeting some people. Please listen to me. I, we might even start coming to a Sunday school class. Hey, is there something I can get involved with? Some of the men cleaning up around the church. I don't know. Is there, you know, could you use somebody else in, in the music ministry? And maybe you start to get involved and you begin to yield yourself to the Lord to serve God. Please listen to me. You're going to come upon a time where you're going to get your feelings hurt. Times are going to get hard. And things are going to get tough. Because Satan's not happy with what takes place in this building. And the devil hates the service to God that goes on in this building. I just want to tell you, don't scatter and run when things get hard. Stay. Let God mature you through that thing. Let God help uh, work on the body of Christ that we can become a better congregation. I just want to say thank God for the women. Though they were off at a distance, they were there and still committed to serving God. I don't know where you're at. Are, are, you, are you backed off so far away from God that there is no more service and there is no more real dedication to God? And I'm telling you, friend, if that's the case, you're missing out on so much that God has for you. Your real joy and blessing is found in serving Christ and being one of those servants. God help me to be found one day if I'm just sitting back in verse 55 and 56. I'd be content to be one of those people. I want to show you one last group, and it's going to require you to go over to the book of Luke. If you'll flip over there, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and get to chapter 23 with me, if you will. Um. So we'll find these people in verse, let's look, start in verse 47, a familiar verse. Remember this, verse 47, now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. He realized that, I believe he, I believe he actually um, was saved that day. But look in verse 48. And all the people that came together to that site, beholding the things which were done, smote their breasts and returned. What? What was that all about? Well, 
these were people, look up here, let me try to explain this. They were really shocked at what they saw. You had a crowd of people that were gathered around, you know, uh, the townspeople heard there's another crucifixion. <clears throat> yeah, let's go watch that. It's, it's like a big event of the day or of the week. And so they went out to watch Jesus being crucified and, the, and the, uh, the ugliness of it all, the spirit of the people, the people mocking him uh, from, from the ground and so forth. But when they saw how gruesome it was, you know, there was a Sabbath day coming on and they didn't want the men to still be on the cross um, at a certain point. So to make sure that they uh, were really dead, they were commanded to go up and break their legs so they could no longer support themselves and catch a breath. And they died really fast. When they got to Jesus, they found out he was already dead, and they couldn't believe he was already dead. Did we kill him that quick? No, you didn't kill him. He gave his life. But then what did they do just to make sure? One soldier, remember, took his spear and pierced his side. And remember what came out? Blood and water. And all those things happened, and these people here in verse 48, they smote their breasts and went back home. You know what they were doing? Wow, can you believe what happened there today? Wasn't that really something? Oh, that was gruesome. Do you see that blood and water coming out of his side? You couldn't even tell the guy had a face almost. His face was beaten so badly. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to eat supper tonight. Man, I'll probably have bad dreams tonight about that. Whoa. What's happening tomorrow? Somebody says, well, I don't know if there's anything else coming up, but, but this today, was, wasn't that really something bad? You know what it's like? It's like us guys when we would, um, <clears throat> we would hear about somebody going into, how many remembers the Columbine school shooting? Columbine school shooting, yep. Remember after that happened, guys? One of the first times it happened here in America. Remember how horrific that was. I still have newspaper articles in my office about the, uh, the young lady who uh, I believe she was asked if she was a Christian and she would boldly stated yes and then he uh, took her life. Uh, it was a big thing to us. And then uh, others happened and then Sandy Hook happened and you know how many have happened since then? I don't either. You know what we do now? It, it strikes our heart. We know it's a bad thing. And it's not like we make light of it at all, but we can hear the news, and hey, there's another school shooting, or somebody else plowed their car into another crowd of people, and you know what we can do? We look at that, and we just go, wow, can you just believe where we're at in America? Flip the channel and go on to something else, and we're done. Kind of like beating our chest and, uh, and, and being you know, emotionally stirred a little bit, but didn't do anything to change us. That was these people. It stirred them up emotionally. They saw what had happened, like, wow, that was really something, wasn't it? But it did not change their lives. Unlike the Roman soldiers who saw it all happen, and it all came home to them, all the dots began to line up, and it struck him like a, like a rock. That was the Son of God. That was, that was really, what he was saying about himself all along was, was really true. And it changed the man's life. And there goes the other group of people walking back, beating on their chest. Wow, can you believe what we just saw today? That was really something, wasn't it? Nothing changed on the inside. 
Just like so many people that will come to church week after week, possibly hearing a gospel message about the love of Jesus and and how much he gave himself for us and how he pleads to us to come to him for salvation. And friend, if you're not saved today, please listen to this. You have that cold, stony heart week after week and you might go out of here. I've even seen people with tears in their eyes but would not make a move for God, would not open their heart up to Christ But I'm telling you today, don't be that last group of people that walk out, if I can put it this way, walk out of church unsaved, and if they died today, would uh, go right straight into a devil's hell. That's exactly what would happen with them, because they don't know Christ as Savior, and they never truly opened their heart up to God and cried out and said, I believe you. I believe all the words that you've said. I want you as my Savior. Please forgive my sins. Will you save me? I want to challenge you today. If God spoke to your heart today about you and your soul's condition, God wants you to get saved today. What kind of an impact is God having in your life? And we can read that story about Jesus and all the things that he did for us as Christians. And I can walk out of here and yawn my way through the day, seeing people that need help, something that needs to be done around the house of God, somebody in the, in the body of Christ that you know could use your fellowship and your help. And we yawn our way to the car, never getting involved, not letting God impact my life whatsoever. Sadly, my wife can be more impacted by the death of an animal than many of us Christians can be toward the death of Christ. Does it still stir your heart again? Do you get a little quiver in your voice when you try to talk about what you just read? About what he just did for us and to see what happened to him for me? I just wonder if you've lost the wonder, the impact that the cross is supposed to have on the people who are sitting around, and if I can put it this way, watching Jesus like they did at the foot of the cross. I don't know how God may or may not be talking to you today, but if there's, if there's something in my heart and your heart that needs to change and God's been nudging you about that and maybe I've grown a little cold and cool about my service to the Lord, but God's talking to you saying, I, I gave so much for you. Couldn't you give your life for me? Maybe God's talking to you about that and you want to make a difference today. Why don't you let God have his way? If you're not saved today, would you let Christ save you? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.